This week's podcast brought to you by The Andre. A couple years ago for Christmas, you gave me a portable sports clock that can be used for basketball. I use it all the time in my basketball practices. A scoreboard. A scoreboard. What did I call it? Sports clock. Sports clock. Well, the same thing. And I use it all the time in my basketball practices. And so it's in the back of the minivan. Well, how about this? This weekend, drive to our second game on a Sunday. We get to the to the gym, walk up. There's a game happening before us. And um, we asked the woman how much time is left. And she said, um, I don't know. The clock just broke during this game. And they're just trying to keep the time now on somebody's iPhone. And I said, not so fast, my friend. I happen to have a clock in the back of my minivan. Would you like me to get it for the next game? And she said yes. And after we played the game and we were leaving, carrying out the clock, the woman who was there like running the tournament said, thank you so much for for bringing your team here and for the clock. And after the game, you were literally running out the clock. I was thinking the other day how kids and old people can get away with saying pretty much anything. Like there's a pass, you know, like if I'm walking through the the grocery store and a little kid is staring at me like, mommy, she's so tall or whatever. Like it's a little kid, you know, they and, and could say a lot worse than that, too. But like old people get a pass, too. Would you agree? Well, it depends, I guess. <laughs> well, the perfect example of this was last week. I'm watching our 10-year-old play softball. And um, the umpire was an older gentleman. And he had, and he was the home plate umpire. So he had all of his gear on. He had the big chest protector thing and the shin pads and whatever. A light blue polo. Uh, yeah, actually, he did. And um, and he came over. I've, I've never met the guy. And um, but I was standing there waiting for the game to start, and he came over, and uh, and one of the dads said, you know, glad to see you've got all your equipment on, and he said, well, I've got all all of my equipment except for the most important part, and um, I just ignored it, and then he wanted to engage me in the conversation, and he looked at me. I'm not I'm not sure what he was referring to, but but I. Well, the rest of us knew what he was referring to because maybe I think he made like a gesture showing that like. You know, he wasn't wearing his protective cup. Oh, I cup. see. I see. Um, and anyway, and then he then he shifted his gaze over to me, and he said, um, "I never understood why girls don't wear a protective cup. I think girls should wear a protective cup. You know, the ball can bounce up and, and hit them there as well." And looking at me, and he said, "You know, what do you think?" And I said, "Well, I played softball for a lot of years, and I never needed one." <laughs> But I thought, how perfect is this? Um, I would say, I don't know how old he was, white-haired gentleman, um, maybe, what do you think, late 60s, I early wasn't there, 70s? Oh, you weren't there, so were you didn't see him. Were you selected at random for the survey? Yeah, I, he, he, I was the only one he talked to. It, it was funny, too, because there, um, uh, a high school sophomore was there watching her, her sister play, and, and um, when, the, when the referee walked, or the umpire walked away, I said to a couple of the moms, I said, did you hear what he just said to me? And the high school sophomore's like, I heard him. <laughs> anyway, it was just such a weird conversation, but I was laughing because I was thinking, of course, like the older man thinks that um, he knows what's best for, for what a girl should wear. But then it only gets better. So we're watching a 10-year-old Little League softball but, and, game. And yet he didn't deem it necessary for himself. <laughs> exactly. There are so many wonderful layers of this. So the the, the best part was... Um, maybe after the fourth inning, you know, the, the new team's on the field, so they're warming up. And, um, and he walks over again to engage me in conversation. And this time he said, as big as you are, I thought your voice would de- be deeper. As big as you are, I thought your voice would be deeper. And my response was, it's from all those years not wearing a cup. And... Uh, <laughs> 
And he just looked at me and like a couple of the moms looked at me like, and they were sort of offended on my behalf, but then they realized that like, I wasn't offended at all. I just thought it was like the musings of an older person, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, and like did, a, a did, 30 year old, a 40 year old could not have come over and said those things to me and gotten a pass, but this guy could. Did he get a pass though? Well, sort of like I, there, I, I wasn't, I found it the, I didn't, wasn't offended at all. I just thought it was ridiculous, kind of ridiculous and funny. Yeah. And we're now talking about him on the podcast. I know. And now we're talking about him on the podcast. But um, I mean, he was friendly enough. He meant no harm. <laughs> he meant no harm. He just he um, meant no harm. He meant no harm. <laughs> and like, there, and he there's, that is that is the Hippocratic oath of, of physicians and umpires. First, do no harm. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I think it was podcast one or two where we talked about me way Did back talk in about the day. That? Yeah. Getting, somebody sent you a prototype for for the non-completionists, for the incompletionists right. out right. there. And the non-perfectionists. Somebody sent you what? A female jockstrap. A prototype for a female jockstrap. And perhaps the that's where you would need a female jockstrap maybe because do you put the cup in the jockstrap? Is that what you do? Like would, would, oh. I, would we – would I for, for – if he wanted, if this referee wanted to implement the cup for girls, would you, would, is that what you used to do? Do you put them in the jockstrap or you just put them in whatever you're wearing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking for guidance here. Uh, conceding that technology may have changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in the intervening years. Yes. You put them in a, what I, I referred to at the time as a cup holder. Now, now we think of them. Now, not the kind of cup holder you want in your minivan. And uh, so there was a holder made specifically for the cup. Well, there still is. There is. Like to hold it in place. Okay. Well, these are all things as a girl and a woman who never wore a cup. I, I was unaware of. So thank you. It's just like the first time you mentioned to me a urinal cake. You said something about a urinal cake. I had no idea what you were talking about because, of course, I'd never been in a men's bathroom with urinals and therefore didn't know there were cakes that you put in them. I don't know that there's holders for cups to go in. These are all things well, I, I'm, I'm evolving and learning. You, you could take a, uh, a walk on the wild side at Dick's Sporting Goods and see that now they make like compression shorts with a pocket that you put the cup in. Well, that makes sense. But they didn't have that technology when I was a lad. <laughs> Nor when that umpire was a lad. Well, that umpire was a lad long before I was a lad. That is true. Maybe he's the guy who sent me the prototype of the female jockstrap. Could I be one in the same. Should ask. And, 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 and did that take off? <laughs> it was never put on. So I don't know if it took off or not. Perhaps, uh, perhaps we should bring that to Shark Tank. <laughs> See if Mark Cuban or uh, Mr. Wonderful wants to invest in the female jack strap. <laughs> we'll see. I was at a our ten year old softball game this week that you were not at. So with we a different umpire. Ham and egging it. Yeah, we had a, well yeah, the different umpire was no umpire. Mm. Although no an umpire did show up about the fourth or fifth inning and um meanwhile the girls were playing in the in the gloaming as the as the light was fading. Uh the, the there was there were no lights on this field the field next to it, a boys' baseball field, was floodlit uh, beautifully. Sadly, there was no game going on in that field. The game was over, and the boys were eating snacks and sitting crisscross applesauce on the infield grass. But uh, So the boys' game was over. They were having their snacks on the well-lit field. snacking under floodlights. Because it, while the softball field, which had no lights, had girls playing in the dark. And I know one of your favorite things is the softball girls playing in the dark in uh, vests, sleeveless. T-shirts that don't fit. Well, that's not that they don't fit. It's they... They, they, they run tiny. Very, they run tiny. They run tiny? On purpose, yeah. Because, of course, these little girls should be wearing these form-fitting, sleeveless, V-neck uniform tops. At least they've gone to, they don't even give them pants or shorts. Remember when our older ones played and the boys, the baseball players got their baseball pants because, you know, so they can slide into second. And the girls were given 
softball shorts so, so they, they could, could slide into second slide into second and tear up their knees so at least they don't do that anymore i don't know if they give the boys pants um anymore but the girls just get the jerseys that are too small and v-neck and I don't, not, not, sleeveless and um, they're, they're not merely too small they are in your in your unforgettable phrase running tiny <laughs> they run tiny that I, when, when you have it when you have an independent <laughs> film at sundance and since there was a time like in the 90s early 2000s when every independent film there were a lot of them and they all had started with a with a gerund uh-huh you know um uh, so yours will be yours will be running tiny running tiny it'll have yeah. a little it'll have a little like a, a laurel or palm frond on the poster indicating some uh, major award at, at at a minor festival oh i thought you meant like <laughs> What did you think Running of Running tiny. I thought you meant, and we've actually talked about this before on the podcast, what are the little things that... Um, fig leaves? Yeah. I thought you meant oh. <laughs> with a fig leaf. So the poster will feature a fig leaf <laughs> for the film Running Tiny. Running tiny. <laughs> yeah. And what I mean by that is I ordered, when I ordered our what daughters... What do you mean by that? When I ordered our daughter's jersey for softball, I put in her actual size, and the shirt, when we got it, on the tag, listed it as her size, but it was like... It was not, as she said. This is the size of the shirt I wore in in uh, t-ball. So the the I the sh- the sizes were running small. They were running not only small, they were running tiny. Anyway, you're at a baseball slash softball field complex. The boys have finished their game. Yes, what, what were we under the about? lights? The oh, girls yes, are yes, finishing yes, the girls their playing. game in the dark. And I loved the fact that, um, you know, this is. The year where the the kids pitch, the coaches no longer pitch at all, and uh, so it gets a little gets a little kooky out there. At some sometimes, you know, it's it's difficult to, especially in softball more so than baseball, I think, to underhand that thing over the plate or into the strike zone or have it drop through the strike zone. The kids zone. are ten; they're ten years old. It's hard at any age, but um, so one of the pitchers was was struggling a bit, and and I would say. Most of her pitches for a stretch of time were were going behind the batter, and uh, what I loved was the co- the coach saying sincerely, unironically, encouragingly to the batters after they would lay off a pitch that they couldn't see because it was ten yards behind them. The coach would say, "Good eye, good eye." <laughs> I love that. I did too. It's uh, it's encouraging the way she it to our be. own daughter. She she laid off a couple of a couple of tempting pitches that were uh, not in her field of vision because they were behind her, and uh, I I literally applauded that. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's terrific. So the other day, I'm driving the kids to school and I'm behind a a van. And on the side of it, I forget what the the surname was, but it was something in Sons. Um, Sanford. I I don't remember if it was construction or painting or whatever it was, something in Sons. I've never once in my life, and I'm asking you, have you ever once or twice in your life seen a something in daughters sign, whether on a a worker truck or anywhere? Because you'll see it too, like, you know, on the side of a... You know, on, on a building uh, or on a, you know, place of work. I've never seen a something and daughters. Because you said once or twice, I'm going to, ha- I'm ob- obliged to tread out the quote from MASH, the Hawkeye quote from MASH. I loved a woman in San Francisco once, or was it twice? <laughs> um, no, I, I haven't, but I have a feeling you're about to see some of them. I, I think some of our loyal viewers. If they see a panel truck with so and so and daughters or a business of it by that name, well, there has to be, right? There has I mean, to be. It has to right. exist. I've never, I've never seen, I've never seen it, and 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 you don't see it as much now as you used to. Funeral homes usually are so and so and sons, right? Often, that's that's yeah. a that's a hereditary business. Yeah, I mean, there's there's. But a what else? I mean, you you don't see you don't see. Uh, I mean, it, might, it might be like plumbing or electrical sure, or many, that sort of thing you I see think, frequently enough. I think children less frequently go into the line of work of their... Like trades. Trades, yeah. Well, uh, or, or even I was listening to a podcast with uh, the comedy writer Rob Smigel on it. 
Robert Smigel, Triumph, Triumph the, the Insult, Insult Comic, Comic Dog. Dog. Yeah. It was on Mark Maron's podcast, and he, um, his father was an innovative, renowned dentist who I think invented bonding or something, you know, some kind of cosmetic dentistry, I believe, that revolutionized the game. And Smigel thought he would go into dentistry as well. But he, he wasn't adept at science in college. And, and his dad looked at his science books and said, I wish you did, they didn't have to teach you all this stuff. I could teach you myself what you need to know about dentistry. And, and then they started talking about like this sort of under the table, you know, dentistry <laughs> education that would, would have been outside of dental school. And, and so, you know, do the sons of dentists go into, your, your father was a son of a dentist, he didn't go to dentistry, obviously, but um, other professions like that, not just, not just trades where, you know, that require your name on the side of a truck, but, uh, you know, professions where you don't, you don't, you have no way of knowing if what the person's father or son did. You know what I'm talking about? I Am I making any sense? Yeah, you are. And and well, what makes me think of it is our recently retired pediatrician, who we adore. Um, his son is in school to also um, be a doctor slash pediatrician. That's kind of the thing you're talking about, right? But right. then I don't know that it, the professions like that, where you then go, the doctor um, Siegel, did his did his son go into his racket? I don't believe so. I can't remember. And I don't think his daughter did as well. Well, if, if he did, he'd, he'd, he'd oh, be... Oh, cool. Would that be father and son obstetrics? I mean, father and daughter obset, obstetrics. Is that what it, what it would be called? I doubt it. What are obstetrics? Isn't that what it is? Obstetricians? Yeah. Oh, I, I guess... Wouldn't it be obstet... <laughs> I can't even say the word. But anyway, what, what, if what, any what, of our... what, what would you keep on the truck? <laughs> well, I don't know that you'd have oh. the truck, but... Um, yeah, if there's any, if people run into any um, businesses that are something I, in daughters, just uh, make it's us aware. It's only on my mind because none of our children will go into either of our line of work. Fair enough to say. No interest. Uh, in, in fact, probably a resistance. I think there's a much greater likelihood that one of our kids might go into something that involves writing than something that involves talking about sports. Well, not if I have any say in it. <laughs> That will be solved for them because there will be no business for them to go into. Could it be Russian and son? Or, you know what, maybe I'll buck the trend. Maybe maybe I need to start a business and it'll be Russian and daughters since we have multiple daughters and then figure out whatever the business is going to be just so we can have the panel van with the sign on the side. I like Running tiny. <laughs> yes. How great would it be if it was running tiny but it was a clothier for tall people. That, that may be the style in the future. Who knows? I just, what did I read today? I read a headline in the New York Times that I couldn't, uh, wasn't about to read the story, but something about uh, denim being, you know, Levi's stock is on the rise or skyrocketing because denim is the next big thing. Wasn't denim also the last big thing and a big the thing part of that? The next big thing? Isn't, isn't denim always... At some point, a big thing, and it's just different variations of whether they're acid washed or, or boot cut or bell bottomed or black or whatever. Maybe the denim's just getting bigger. Like I was watching a, a movie or TV show or something recently from, um, I think it was like from the early '90s or mid '90s, and the denim, the jeans that one of the characters was wearing, you know, was when jeans were really big and puffy. You had some of those. So everyone did. If you were alive at that time, I did not. Of course you did. Oh, you Pro didn't wear I probably jeans. Did. Um, yes, you did. I yeah, did. and you even probably had pleated jeans. I, I, I mean, I think I've seen no, a picture no, of you in no. pleated jeans. There's, there's zero chance if you can produce a picture of me in pleated jeans that hasn't been <laughs> photoshopped. I will give you. I will raise and then give you a hundred thousand dollars. Will you? Yes. <laughs> really? Yes, I will. All right. There's, there has. I have never worn. Are there pleated jeans? Back in the day, there were pleated acid wash jeans, and, and men wore them. Oh, I don't know if men wore them, but yes, they Did you made wear them, them for men. Did you wear them? Did I? I don't think I had pleated acid wash jeans or pleated jeans. I oh no, I did have one pair of pleated jeans, but they weren't acid washed. <laughs> and, and 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 they they ran massive. They were huge. Of course they were. That's the way they were. 
Until you like pegged them at the bottom, turned them over and folded them up a little bit. Yeah. Running tiny, running huge. Your <laughs> the title of your your bio. Surprised that your voice isn't deeper. <laughs> running tiny, but you're huge. What? You're surprised your voice isn't deeper. Did you feel did you feel slightly ridiculous when you were were there were they high waisted? Were they mom jeans? Were they They were medium waisted. Did I I didn't feel ridiculous at all. That's what people were wearing. Were you medium waisted when you bought them? <laughs> No, I've always been high waisted. I'm six four. <laughs> you were high, comma, and wasted when you bought them. No, I would have needed to be. Well, here's a question for you, since we're talking about gifts, sort of. What's Sunday? Sunday is Mother's Day. You remembered. Of course, I remembered. Oh, I didn't know if you were aware that it was Mother's Day or not. I'm very aware. Okay, good. I because, told the kids because I have a mother. <laughs> I told the kid that uh, the kids said um, for Mother's Day. Um, um, I think all of you have soccer or softball or basketball games, and that's one of the things I love to do is watch them play their sports, so it's going to be a perfect Mother's Day. Well, for Mother's Day, I will give you the gift of letting you watch all of your kids play their various sports. Thank I you. will take the sacrifice of staying home and minding the dogs and the television. Okay. That sounds like a perfect deal. Do you ever have those moments... Um, when you do something and it's totally your dad coming out of you or you, you something you say or something you do and you're like oh my gosh my dad used to do that when I was a kid and it drove me nuts or I just remember my dad doing that and now I'm doing that can you think of anything like that yes uh, uh, because I picked up our daughter from her first two hours of behind the wheel drivers training last night and I asked her how it went and she said on the drive back that uh, the instructor said um, do either of your parents have road rage? <laughs> you she, didn't tell me this. All right, well, I'm telling you now. Okay. And she said, uh, well, one time, and, and this is this is patently nonsense. This didn't happen. But she said, one time, this part did happen. Um, she was driving me. She has her permit. She was driving me um, down a road, 30-mile-per-hour road, when a car was tailgating us. And then eventually the car uh, gunned its engine and, and roared past us, uh, even though there was oncoming traffic. And she claims that I then reached over and laid on the horn. <laughs> while she was while driving. While she was driving. Oh, no. No, I, I don't. I, I have of no course, memory of that. But I'm, why would but, she make that up? And my dad wouldn't lay on the horn, but what my dad would do, still does, and I find myself doing, is... What you do as well, which is, and I think most of our listeners probably do, which is, you know, get a load of this bozo. He's he's going to turn on his, his, this guy doesn't need a turn signal. This guy's too good to use a turn signal or, you know, that kind of thing. Just mocking them. Yeah. What about you? Well, first I'll, I'll say one time I was with our daughter as she was driving and there was somebody right on her tail and it was because she was going the speed limit and, um, in the defense of the driver behind her, the speed limit was way too slow for what it should have been, but she appropriately was driving the speed limit. And she said to me, she's like, this, there's somebody, you know, right on my tail. And I said, okay. I said, that's fine. Just ignore them. Pretend they're not there. And we'll, like, just keep you driving. You have to be aware. Fine. You have to have some court awareness of yeah, who's no, behind you. Who's No, she did. Okay. She had the awareness. But I said, don't let it bother you. Like, you're doing the right thing and whatever. Um, I don't – I've not once um, – <laughs> leaned over and honked the horn at someone as, as uh, I, 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 she was driving. I, I but, haven't either. Perhaps but, she, 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 maybe she thinks well, I said. Well, of course you have, or else she wouldn't have had that memory. There's no way I... I, I There's no way that is exactly something kind you of, would do. I'm You're the, the one. I'm the kind of guy who, when somebody is, is like texting at a light and the light turns green and they're sitting there, and then and then like... You're second in line, but the car behind you honks, lays on the horn. Right. I'll put my hands up in the windshield to let the driver in front of me know that I'm not the guy laying on the horn. You are also the guy, and I've told this story a long time ago on the podcast, who when before we had kids and we were driving and somebody did something on the highway you didn't like and, and we were in and then it became a traffic jam. Okay, you pulled okay. up alongside them, lowered my window, and yelled across. <laughs> so anyway, let's go back to channeling our, our parents. So the other day so, – well, let me rewind. 
There were times when I was a kid where we would be at, say, a cross-country meet, and my mom would be there because my dad was the coach. She didn't have any kids running, but she would be there watching. And at the end of the meet, as these kids are coming up the hill and look like they have nothing left in them, she would start like, she'd get teary-eyed. And I remember as a kid being horrified, like, why are you crying? And she'd say, well, this is so emotional watching these kids working so hard. Or there would just be sometimes she would randomly get like teary-eyed. And I remember as a kid being embarrassed by that. Why I was embarrassed, I don't know. We could have been in a car. No one else is around, but I would be embarrassed. You realize now she had hay fever. (laughs) This time of year, it could have been. Well, I had one of those moments this weekend. I had our two daughters, or our two older daughters in the car, 14 uh, 14 and 16. And I'm driving through the center of town, and there was an LGBTQ rally? What, what, would it, um, what would it be called? A rally? I don't know. Sure. Okay. So there, but a lot of people in the center of town was I mean, was, there, there were race signs. cars involved. But. No, no. But like they had signs and like uh, rainbow signs. And like one of the signs said, honk if you support LGBTQ rights or honk um, for LGBTQ families. Anyway, so I'm driving through... And, um, Veterans was one of the signs. Yes, and and I'm driving through, and for a small town, there was a there was a really nice turnout, and um, so I honked the horn a little bit, and um, and did you, know. you reach over and honk the horn? <laughs> no, it was right in front of me. So I reached I'm, through the window and honked the horn <laughs> of the car next to me, the guy who looked curmudgeonly and angry, and uh, and like our daughters are like, all right, mom, that's enough. And I said, no, it's not. So as we go through, we turn, and that's when I saw the one, um, the sign that said, uh, you know, honk if you support LGBTQ families. And, and I honked, and, and I turned the corner, and I just, just had tears in my eyes and, 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 like, started having tears running down my face. And our, our kids looked at me like, what is the matter with you? And uh, it was totally a Ruth Ann moment. It was a totally one of my mom's moments. I said, you guys just don't understand. You know, even 25 years ago, um, you know, the number of teammates I played with who were really good friends of mine but still weren't comfortable being out with me or um, they weren't comfortable, you know, um, just in the environment that we were in. I said, and it's not that long ago, I said, or how hard it would have been even 25 years ago when I was, you know, playing basketball, how hard it would have been for a gay or lesbian couple to be able to be out and have a family. And and anyway, so I have tears coming down my eyes and I looked at them and they were so uncomfortable with their mother crying and having this moment. And it just totally brought me back like this is such something that my mother would have done. And that would have been exactly my reaction to it. So it, both of our um, both of our moments involve honking the horn i remember when when you and i met and you weren't comfortable being out with me <laughs> i'm still not comfortable still being not. out with you um, i had i had a moment uh driving this weekend it might have been the same day in the same center of town possibly when uh we were going on a scavenger hunt it was a school fundraiser an electronic very cool it's a really cool idea yeah you you it, you take it requires like GPS coordinates and you know taking pictures of some solved questions and anyway the kids were all into it it's a competition at their school and um, and it was basically endless you could never complete the thing there were there would be you couldn't be a completionist new, new clues all the time other clues expired you had two hours to complete this or that but we had a small window of time when we could go out and take some of these GPS coordinates and and visit some of these places for the answers and when we got to the center of town uh you got a text from a neighbor saying that our younger dog kasha had uh had made a a prison break Mm. had gone over the wall and was now down the street yeah i did we had i was with you we had not just our kids but we had a friend in the car we're all out ready to to go on this scavenger hunt and um yeah, thankfully, our neighbor called and said, you know, Kasha has left. She's left the yard. Has left the building. Has left the yard. And um, it was actually kind of funny. And, and she called me about it the next day. She was horrified because when she was texting me, because she said, you know, Kasha left the yard. She's down the street. And a couple times she said, I, but I got her. I got her. And she's back in your yard. 
but her autocorrect changed got to hit. And so the next day she said, I wanted to, she called and said, I wanted to make it really clear that I never hit Kasha. <laughs> I used treats, lured her into my car and then brought her back to your house. And um, I said, no, don't worry about it. I, I you know, I, I knew what had happened with your autocorrect. But initially and, 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 when and, and, she sent thank, the text. Thank goodness Kasha wasn't autocorrected. So I just used treats to lure her into the car. Right, right, right. But, uh, but how, how. Just perfectly wrong is that autocorrection. Not I, you know, your dog left the yard. I hit her. I hit her and put her back in your yard. So I have since uh, upped the wattage, uh, upped the uh, the volume on the beep on her collar, and I've also upped the the wattage. So um, that's the first time she's ever done that, and uh, hopefully the last. You've upped the wattage. I've upped the wattage. So, um, but she won't. Just having the the audible, just having the um, beeping sound louder. We've seen her like get near the beeping and then sprint right back. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yeah, let's get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Let's up the wattage on this show. Mm. Yes. Shall we? We shall. What what, what is that uh, frothy? It's not frothy. It's coffee. Frothy, uh, I'm having uh, a small cup of hot coffee. Libation. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm having my hot okay. coffee. That was my dad. Always my dad to my mom. Did you care for a libation? I had no idea what that meant when I was a kid. What was your mother's libation? I know your father's changed every decade, yeah, but what was your mother's was libation the, the of choice? Possible drinker. Seagram's ba- Golden Wine was, Cooler, or what was it? Uh, basically, uh, possibly. Probably like a white wine spritzer or something. I never met your mom, no, no, but that's she, what she, I would picture. It was very little wine consumed, except when they had a party. There weren't big wine. There was like a little rack with like three or four bottles of wine in the basement that they'd been given as gifts. I don't ever recall them like drinking a bottle of wine. We had or a, a glass rack. Of wine. We had a rack in our basement with like three or four bottles of wine, and they were the dandelion wine that my father had made one year i don't know what that means you it's wine made out of dandelions that's that's what it sounds like but that can't possibly be the case it is the case and um he also sometimes would make wines wine out of grapes but one year at least he made dandelion wine and i think he put it down there i'll have to ask him for clarity on this why why on earth did he make wine out of grapes when he had (laughs) had perfectly good dandelions i don't know and this is not something i've ever questioned until this very moment (laughs) Did did it have top notes of Scott's Turf Builder? No, but I'll have to ask him. I'll have to ask him. But this is my memory: is it was in the basement, and that when they when they eventually opened the wine that Dad made, it was disgusting. But um, but that may have been the grape wine. Between now and next week, I'll have to find get clarity from my dad about the dandelion. And, wine. and were there always three or four bottles of dandelion wine in the basement because? Nobody would drink it? Yeah, it was like aging. <laughs> a fine, aged dandelion wine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, what? We were sort of hillbillies. <laughs> and I wouldn't change any part of it. Whew. Anyway, back to viewer mail. <laughs> back to viewer mail, shall we? But we got to get a, a bottle of dandelion wine. I don't know that you can actually buy it. Well, I think it's I, like I moonshine. It's can illegal. you buy moonshine or can you just make moonshine? Bathtub gin? And when I think of moonshine, one time, um, and we'll have to get clarity on this next time she's on the podcast, I believe the first time, and maybe the last, that Holly Rowe had homemade moonshine. It was made oh, by... Oh, moonshine is homemade. It was made by and given to her and consumed with... The legendary Pat Summit was making moonshine. I believe so, at some point. But again, that that could be like my dandelion story. We we need clarity all around. Okay, now it could be like our daughter's my honking her horn. No, that one hundred percent happened. I never honk another man's horn (laughs) nor another woman's horn. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying that. Can we please get to viewer mail now? <laughs> Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Michael. Oh, we know Michael. 
Long time, no letter. My apologies. Last weekend, while driving from Kansas City, where Michael lives, to Minneapolis, I listened to Rebecca's bemusement at the journalism term, The Nut Graph, and thought to myself that this was the first discussion of The Nut Graph that I've ever heard on a podcast. Then, to my great joy, the next podcast I played, Jeff Perlman's interview of Jamal Green on Two Writers Slinging Yang, featured a discussion of The Nut Graph. Come on. Seems unlikely, but yet there you have it. From this point forward, any podcast that doesn't delve into The Nut Graph will be deemed a disappointment. So this one should not disappoint because we've revisited the nut graph. Our third consecutive podcast referencing a nut, the nut graph. As I approached my destination, I rounded the curve at Bloomington, my hometown, and pondered the massive wall that stands between Interstate 35 and Steve's hometown. Normally such structures are erected to keep the traffic noise out, but after reading Stingray Afternoons and Nights in White Castle, I suspect that this one was built to keep the Russian brothers in. Can Steve confirm? Your loyal correspondent, Michael. Michael. Uh, I think I know why you were going to Minneapolis. And uh, if you make the return trip, or you've, you've already made the return trip because this was from a week ago, the next time you go, and as you pass uh, that sound barrier, and, and I'm old enough to remember when that thing was put up uh, along I-35 at 98th Street. And you'll see the sign, the exit for 98th Street. And just as you approach that sign, the sound barrier on the right, on the other side of that sound barrier is the historic and still vibrant uh, nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, my grade school, K through 8, BVM across the chest on our basketball jerseys. We fancied ourselves not BVM, Blessed Virgin Mary. We fancied ourselves the Bovum. You've always enjoyed that, Rebecca. I do. I like the Bovum. The Bovum. And, uh, and yes, you're, you're absolutely right. They, they put that up to, uh, I think, initially, the first section was built to keep the uh, the ruffians uh on the nativity playground from not the Russians, from, but the ruffians often one and the same from uh, from attacking the the passing motorists on on thirty five. Also, I might add the same uh, the same drive that Mary Tyler Moore, Mary Richards makes at the start of the Mary Tyler Moore show, driving up thirty five, approaching downtown Minneapolis before turning the world on with her smile, before she takes a nothing day and suddenly makes it all seem worthwhile. Okay, next letter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Keep going with the song, with the shows. Those are the lyrics, right, to the intro of Mary Tyler Moore. Yes, they okay. are. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have cut you off. Like Dear Stephen Rebecca, very... greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. Yay! I was wondering last week. I was going to say something. We haven't had a a letter in a little while. I hope this finds you well. After hearing that you both are on your way to becoming fully vaccinated, I am at two shots plus ten days at this point, Rebecca. And next week, it looks like the CDC will allow uh, under 15, under 16. After hearing that you both are on your way to becoming fully vaccinated, I must admit to having suffered some vaccine envy. Currently, in Japan, we are not scheduled to receive our doses until September. With the Olympics still set to take place, that will most likely divert personnel and push that date back even further. The Olympics wildly unpopular in Japan among Japanese uh poll respondents. You're saying this. This is not part of the letter. I'm not saying. Oh, I'm saying. You're this, adding yeah, this. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I have no idea of Michael's uh, uh, feelings about Japan hosting the Olympics. But, Who? Uh, Japan? Japan. <laughs> I, 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 I've, we've had two consecutive emails from two consecutive Michaels, and it's, it's throwing It's throwing me. you. Currently in Japan, we are not scheduled to receive our doses until September. With the Olympics still set to take place, that will most likely divert personnel and push that date back even further. Still, one has to hope. So, in anticipation of that distant event, here is a rework of Earth, Wind & Fire's September. Ooh. One of my all-time favorite songs, as yes. you know. I was born on the 22nd of September. The song uh, cites the 21st night of September. With apologies, here we go. Uh, and no need to preemptively apologize, Michael. You can apologize after the fact. <laughs> he's not going to need to apologize. He's he's quite the I'm poet. I'm going to do my best to, to recite this in the cadence of, of Earth, Wind & Fire September. Do you remember getting vaccinated in September? Science changing the minds of pretenders while chasing the COVID away. Our arms will be aching, but our antibodies won't be faking. Fever dream in the night, remember how we felt better the next day. Oh, yeah. Badia, say do you remember? Badia, that vaccine in September. Badia, never was a better day. Keep happy and healthy. I remain, Michael and Michael, no preemptive nor postemptive apologies. Uh, in fact, you have our undying gratitude. 
Hey, Restiva writes, Mary, I came across the attached when I was putting my winter gear away. The timing may have coincided with Rebecca being in San Antonio. The 2001 Philly final was fun, but it was a blowout. The tournament in the meantime has become a favorite due to its excitement and competitiveness. Great for the game. I'd be happy to send this to you for autographs. You too, Steve, if you can share an address. And let's see what, what it is a ticket, Rebecca. 2000 NCAA Women's Final Four Championships, First Union Center in Philadelphia, Sunday, April the 2nd, 2000 at 9 p.m. Tell us, Rebecca, remind us. What happened there? Um, UConn won a national championship in 2000 in Philadelphia um, in spectacular fashion. I believe it was a blowout over Tennessee. I think that was the game where UConn backdoored like crazy and got lots of points. And maybe the year, I could be wrong here, but maybe the year that um, Kelly Schumacher had nine blocks in the championship game. Uh, I was there. Um, I remember a bunch of UConn alum were there playing pickup on a basketball court somewhere in Philadelphia. I was not. I was recovering still from a knee injury. And Coach Oriema, I maybe the night before the championship game, had an epic party <laughs> at uh, some place downtown where you could play pool and hang out. And um, This was the night before. It it may not have been the night before. Maybe it, it was at some what, point. What, he was pretty confident in that team. And um, <laughs> Was it the afternoon before? <laughs> it could have been the morning of. And uh, and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of former players were there. So um, that is my memory of the 2000 championship in Philadelphia. Uh, Ralph writes, my nomination for new head coach for the Lady Bears. They, they have since filled that uh, vacancy. Baylor's did we talk about this last week? Had Kim Mulkey left Baylor yeah, for LSU? Yeah, we talked about Kim Mulkey okay. leaving Baylor, but of course we hadn't talked about who replaced well, her because that just happened. Well, let me just say, happened. before you talk about that, Ralph in Maryland writes, Hi all, Becky Hammond, my nomination for new head coach of the Lady Bears, an extraordinary person doing extraordinary things. Uh, you too are all in that category. Thank you, Ralph, from your reasonably intelligent correspondent who keeps plotting away and muddling through Ralph in Maryland, uh, Rebecca. So, Becky Hammond was... was did not have her hat in that ring. I don't know if she had her hat in that ring or not. I would, but ultimately they have hired. Yesterday they announced Nikki Collin, who um, was the head coach for the Atlanta Dream the past couple of years. Before that, she was an assistant coach um, with the Connecticut Sun. She has tons of experience, also coaching um, assistant coaching at the collegiate level. I really like her. I think it was a really interesting and good hire. Um, she's young-ish. She's in her mid-40s. She's I think has three kids, um, really knows basketball. Um, the interesting part we'll, that we'll wait and see is, you know, the recruiting part of it in Texas. Um, but I think I thought it was a really, really um, good hire by Baylor. This is, uh, speaking of uh, Becky Hammond and the San Antonio Spurs, they had a 32-point lead on the Celtics uh, since our last podcast Lost that game in overtime, and Jason Tatum of the Celts had 60 points, tying Larry's franchise record. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Uh, I, I watched the last 4.1 seconds of that game when I saw what was happening. Mm. So when they say you only have to watch the last minute of an NBA game, I, I was I was perfectly content with the last 4.1 seconds of it. <laughs> How long did it take? It took, it took At least a less than five minutes. Um Kitchen Wall, writes Colleen, that's her header. Kitchen Wall is now List Maker, but here is the link. You can invite people to add to a list, and then they can add to the list via the free app on their device. Uh, and here's here's a, uh, a screenshot of her list of lists, one of which, is, of course, is a grocery. Rebecca, absolute madness. Would that be total chaos? You would hate that, wouldn't you, if you had a list on your phone that all of us could then add to that list? And then when you went shopping... You would open that list and see. None of you would do it. Little I, Debbie I, snap cakes, snack cakes, etc. I've got a piece of paper always on the grocery. I mean, on, on the refrigerator. People can add. I our, our went to the grocery this morning. I noticed. Oh, what is this? Oh, our daughter added something, so I got it for. It's you guys just wouldn't use it. I don't know that it would be helpful. You you you're not willing to pick up a pencil or pen and add to the list on the refrigerator. So, if this would get you to add items that we need. Then, um, then I would do it, but I just don't think it will. I think we should do it and uh, just add things you don't need. Yeah, like yesterday, you you came home. I appreciated you stopping at the grocery store last night because um, we were in a hurry and we needed something that we could cook quickly because the kids were hungry. And you came home with some food and a bag of donuts. Like there would be a lot of that kind of stuff in the house. 
donuts. Donuts are my gas station purchase, as you know. Donuts and um, skinny pop. Donuts and skinny pop. Yeah, the, the first one, the first blade lifts, and the second blade cuts. So, <laughs> so the 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 effect of the of the ten thousand calories from the donuts is undercut by the skinny pop, which actually reduces reduces your weight somehow. Mm, okay. No. No. Let's get let's get to the next viewer mail, shall we? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I was th- this name A N D R E A has a number of pronunciations. I think that number is one or two. But she helpfully signs Andre with an A, so it's Andrea. Correct. S- say that again. A N D R E A. How do you pronounce that? It could be Andrea. Yes. But it's not. Okay. It's Andrea because she helpfully says in parentheses, Andre with an A. Oh, that's very helpful. Mm-hmm. So Andrea. 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 I hope I'm not getting this wrong. You might be. Andre. Andrea. Andrea. I would think. It doesn't matter what we think. It's what it is. I'm saying I would think that's yes, what she okay. meant with the pronunciation. Anyway. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. Did I get that right? <laughs> Who knows? This story hits a trifecta of some of your favorite A's. Airline travel, Andre the Giant, and airplane alcohol consumption. All right, let's right, this hear is it. Right in your wheelhouse, Rebecca. Mm. I was a flight attendant in the 1990s, and my most remembered celebrity passenger was Andre the Giant. Tell me more. Oh, well, I mean, already. I know. Fantastic. It was a very early morning flight from Oklahoma City to Memphis. Down the jetway walked Andre the Giant. He sat gingerly in a first First of all, walking down the jetway. I mean, it would have been like a, a birth canal, would it not have totally. been? Totally. Hunched over, and there's no like, way he could be standing upright as he's walking down the jetway. They, 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 they like, squeeze him through. <laughs> like a birth canal. <laughs> yes, probably exactly what it was like. He sat gingerly in a first-class seat, and when I went to hand him a seatbelt extension and take his pre-departure drink order, he asked if, I thought she was going to say, and take his picture, <laughs> and take his uh, pre-departure drink order, he asked if one of his wrestling buddies who was sitting in coach could be moved to sit across the aisle from him. Of course, I replied, two words which were never ever, ever uttered from my mouth when asked this question by anyone else. I was going to say, of course. How do you say anything other than, of course, to a human that size? After fixing his pre-departure beverage of four airline bottles of vodka and two cups of orange juice, a drink I called the Andre, well, now this is all coming together. Andre with an A. Yes. Andrea. Maybe yes. it's still as Andrea, but she's... But anyway. Anyway. Uh, I walked to the back of the plane and requested that his friend, also a very large man, follow me to first class. In my mind, and I don't know because, of course, this isn't accurate, but in my mind, as you've been telling this story, both Andre and his very large friend are in their wrestling singlet. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've got to recalibrate because, of course, they're in like normal human clothes. So, all right, now I'm picturing them in normal well, human clothes. <laughs> I have to say, Andrea, halfway through this, this is already top 10 viewer mail It could be number one. Uh, Tell me more, and I hope there's lots more. Later in the flight, after a couple of rounds of in-flight beverages, or more, one more Andre and a foursome of Bailey's Irish cream and coffee, Rebecca, this is hitting all of your... Yes. All of your loves. Andre motioned me to a seat where he proceeded to tell a joke. <laughs> Because of his heavily French-accented English, for the Princess Bride, and the copious amount of alcohol, I had no chance of understanding the joke. He paused at what I could only assume was the punchline, and I burst into slightly hysterical laughter. (laughs) Before landing, he asked me when arriving in Memphis if he could get an electric cart to go to his next gate, because he would get swarmed by fans if he walked down the concourse. I barged into the cockpit and demanded the pilots to stop whatever important airplane work they were doing and get Andre a cart. Our airplane was met by a supervisor who directed Andre off the plane and down the jetway stairs to a waiting van to drive him to his next gate. The cart operators were concerned about the weight restrictions of their machines. As he got off the plane, ducking his head at the doorway, he gave me that cute Andre half-smile and wished me bonjourne. Thanks for a wonderful podcast, Andre, Andrea, Andre with an A. Seal, uh, thank you, Andrea. That's Fantastic viewer mail. I, I'm I picturing that now. It's it's certainly in our top two viewer mails about airplane flights. Do you remember what the other one would be? Oh. It's actually the other one is not a viewer no, mail. It's Sam Farmer. The other one is the uh, Sam Farmer but a, story. But a flight attendant story. What's that? But it, but it's also a flight attendant story. Yes, that is true. About uh, uh, nursing a cat. 
Yes. Right? Yes. The woman's that... most distinctive memory, the what? flight attendant's most distinctive memory was seeing a woman nursing a cat. <laughs> And then Andre nursing, in probably singlet. not nursing. Andre in a, in a singlet. Andre uh, nursing several uh, 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 Baileys. Well, first, first vodka and OJ, yes, the Andre, yes, and then Baileys and coffee. Right. These are the kind of viewer mails that um, that, that mean, just. Did, did you ever, Rebecca, pull that move where where you required, demanded special treatment when you get off the plane, so you weren't mobbed by service animals and or and or uh, fans? Never. But I will say this. If Holly Rowe is in danger of missing her connection, that's what they do for her because she flies so much. They take her down the stairs and um, there's usually not a van waiting for her, but it's usually like a Mercedes or something. And she's actually um, sent me video and she may have posted video of this before on social media. Like she'll be sitting in the backseat of a car as they drive her to her next gate with like and with the seats vibrating and heated and whatever. And um, no. And when I was in danger of missing my connection to get to the final four, the guy just said to me, like, you know, just try to run as fast as you can. <laughs> but For uh, a woman of your size, that might be yeah, difficult. That, yeah, right. Lovely. I'm quoting the umpire from the start of this podcast. Rebecca. No, I know you are. And I'm and, and perhaps like I wonder if she said to him, a man of your size. I'm not surprised your voice is so deep. They said when, when, when you were in danger of missing your connection in Atlanta, an airport representative came up to you and said, we understand a Dr. Gary Siegel is idling outside in his with, with in his, a uh, bag full of PB and J with BMW uh, M class BMW. Oh right, yes, yes. I um that would be actually be a really interesting book. It would be hard probably to verify, but um, like you know, stories from the sky. You know, the best flight attendant um, stories, like the the person nursing the cat. This woman's yeah. Andre the Giant story, like. That would be a really, really good book. Someone should put it together. When I traveled to and from uh, Antarctica via Argentina with a party of a dozen people, including Kate Upton, she was whisked through invisibly sliding open doors and to uh, some secret passageways in at JFK to, uh, I think, to, it must have been post-customs at that point. But Yeah, well, I know, like... Last whenever the World Cup was after the World Cup, when and, then, and, then were, when, and then when I tried to slide in that same door, I was I was uh, tased. turned away. Yeah, when things were at the height of craziness, right after the World Cup for Megan Rapinoe, like whenever she would fly out of LAX, there was a whole separate sort of um, treatment that she was she was given, and you know whisked through the airport and um, didn't have to wait in the I, I like terminal whisking. and yeah, whisking is whisking is good, but. Um, but yeah, you and I haven't reached that level. Hi, Steve Eka writes, uh, Mark, Mark Simon, our official statistician of the Ball and Chain podcast. Thank you for the call out and recognition on last week's show. In order to distinguish between Ball and Chain completionists and Ball and Chain perfectionists, we shall draw upon baseball for inspiration. Uh, now I understand Mark is the one who raised the question of how many completionists there were. Mm-hmm. In MLB history, about seven and a half percent, about seven, about seven and a half percent of no hitters are perfect games. Thus, you would want only 7.5% of ball and chain completionists to be perfectionists. This this is the, uh, the the Simon Law, I think we can call it, right? Well, So I think I would define a completionist as someone who has listened to every episode, either in part or in full, accepting that that person has dealt with distractions that may have prevented them from complete absorption of every subject. And a perfectionist would be someone who had listened to every episode in full and could ace a Jeopardy board in which the categories were as follows. Would you like to hear the categories, Rebecca? I would love to hear the categories. And I'll do my best. Well, I, I can no longer be Alex Trebek, but I'll, 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 I'll do my best uh, guest Jeopardy host voice. Puns. Steve and Rebecca's pet peeves. Jigsaw puzzles. Things children say. Uber confessions. Installations. Answers here would include air filters and basketball nets. <laughs> Uh, yours in baseball statistical guruing and wizardry, uh, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, I love it. I have one question. Would we want 7.5% of our listeners to be perfectionists, or would we just do an if-then? Like, would we just use the baseball model and assume that 75 even though there's no correlation I, I really think there's, between I think there's, baseball a, there's an, and, an exact analogy between our podcast and Major League right, Baseball let's games. Pretend, let's pretend there they're, is. They're, they're overly long. <laughs> 
often there's there's nothing there at the end for you. Yes, they're full of uh, references to bad snacks. And in both or... and in both in Major League Baseball and our podcast, Dr. Gary Siegel is batting cleanup, <laughs> as he is now. How about that for a segue? That was pretty good. Uh, well, I should say, our our, our double O B G Y N, license to thrill. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other uh, intros you'd like to add? Uh, we don't believe has the family business and sons and daughters, but we'll find that out. He is metaphorically idling at the curb in his BMW M class right now, waiting for me to read his Gmail. Ready? Mm-hmm. By the way, we haven't given the address for viewer mail in ages. Oh, we it's, haven't. it's ball and chain pod. At, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And what's the what's the Twitter handle? Oh, the Twitter handle is at Ball and Chain Pod. And I think the Instagram is at Ball and Chain Podcast. And you, you don't know because you're the one who maintains those yes, accounts and, and, and you do I'm nothing I'm going to them. spend time today on both of those because um, there's quite a few podcasts that need to have something, some photos okay. put up, especially from our last podcast. We need to have a photo of which mom? And Stifler's mom. Oh, Whistler's mother. Whistler's mother. And Stifler's, and Stifler's mom. mom. I mean, I can't. I Stifler's can't mother and Whistler's by. mom. Yes. yes. Okay. Without further ado, dear Rebecca and Steve, as always, I enjoyed this week's podcast number one sixty six, during which Stifler's and Whistler's mothers played a key role in the interplay between you two. I write this note on a Sunday night on a non-work day on which I had to set priorities. With only the highest regard for the podcast, I tend to save the best podcast for last. So during the week, after the the Daily News podcast, a political one or two, and a couple of Formula One podcasts, I usually get to my most favorite podcast on the weekends, normally during exercise. A couple of Formula One podcasts. By the way, Dr. Siegel, I'm now watching season three of, uh, of the Formula One Netflix series. Today was difficult decision time as the Formula One race was in Portugal, which means a morning race. Lewis Hamilton, Rebecca, spoiler alert, won that race as he does all of them. Mm. Uh, That's usually the priority, but two separate FaceTime calls from the two granddaughters took precedence over the race, the latter of which was fortunately preserved on the DVR. Then when it was time to cycle for 30 miles and earn that HSA dollar, just like another viewer who has the same ability to get paid to exercise, I delayed gratification just a bit, listening to a Sunday morning news show via podcast before the ball and chain one. Before you get offended, kindly note that I have two other news shows or their podcasts on tap which do not take precedence over the ball and chain podcast. Lastly, since you wisely have rarely if ever discussed politics, let's not dwell on which three Sunday morning shows are on my playlist. <laughs> we won't touch that. I am happy that all of the eligible Russians have gotten their COVID-19, the pandemic vaccinations, and I especially enjoyed Steve's reference to Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit. However, from a me- medical perspective, I am perplexed in linking up Steve's vaccination, the Dodgers-Padres rivalry, drinking excessive amounts of water, and dreams of Alice, small or 10 feet tall, chasing rabbits. Go figure. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I'm not the scientist here, Dr. Siegel. I don't know what the connection is. I only know that that's what I experienced. Right. I, all I know about medicine is that my sister, the ER doctor, said when they ask you your pain level to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, say 7. <laughs> you don't say 10 because it's not the most painful thing you've ever experienced. Right. And if it was, there's probably a lot worse pain that you can still experience. Right. 9 is what everybody says. So 7, I think, conveys you're uncomfortable, but you're not a complete wuss. I um I actually was at a doctor this past week, and that question was asked, "What what is this the pain level?" And I said, "Well, it's not a ten on the Siegel scale because I've had children." Said it's not even close to a ten. Um, but anyway, but it's it's enough that I'm here and to I, have it addressed. And I would say it's not a ten because I have stubbed my toe very badly on the the leg of our bed. Yeah, I'm happy that I'll okay. Um. Lastly, for your enjoyment, writes Dr. Siegel, attached, please find a short video of a budding basketball star, now two and a half years old, practicing her skills. All the best, Gary. And there is a, uh, there is a, there is a video that I've downloaded. And, and if, uh, if, Rebecca, this is a two and a half year old Siegel. You can play it. I'm going to hand the computer to you. Doing Papa Shot. And you can, uh, you can, you can give your, your basketball analysis on that. Form. Pretty good, pretty good. Definitely, there's potential here. Potential. Is is she being coached? <laughs> yeah, the first one didn't make it over like the lip of the thing. So you hear an adult say, "Be really strong, be really strong." The second one, that didn't make it over either. But there's certainly 
You see great potential, potential there. Here. Yes. And she's already 100% adorable. Well, for uh, producer Denny Gallagher, Rebecca. Tom, Dick, Hari. <laughs> Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.